you. Whoa, what a great worship, eh? How many people have never, ever heard me preach before? Oh, good. You are blessed. Amen. But today is a, a really, really feel the, the presence of God here. And I really, really know that God wants to do something really special in this place. This morning. Have you come expecting? Have you come like an open book, ready to say, God, whatever you want to write in my heart? You know, last Sunday morning, we had an amazing morning. You know, um, I, th- I thought about a word all week, and, uh, you know, I got it all ready, up early Sunday morning, had it ready, and then we got to church, and, um, and the, you know, in the first song, God just broke in. God just broke in, and uh, to be honest, that's all I could say, God, God came. God just came. And in that meeting, we had like two or three people give their life to Jesus Christ. In that meeting, with five people baptized in the Holy Spirit. Where lots of people healed. And then this girl from El Salvador, the first time in church, she came from El Salvador a couple of years ago uh, to, to Swansea or maybe a year ago. And uh, during the service, she came forward crying. I said, and, and I got an interpreter. We just started a brand new Spanish speaking service. So I got the pastor to come and said, What's she saying? She said, she said, she said, when we started to worship, she saw the, the roof open and, and, and this amazing light come in. And as she sees people who are really bright, she didn't know what the words were, you know. People who are really bright just going around, praying for us, encouraging us, mingling with us. And she's crying, she's describing angels. And somebody else came and said, I see it. I also see it. I al-. You know, one of those meetings you think, whoa. And at the end of that meeting, that same girl, first time in church, she came and told her testimony through her interpreter of how, when she was seven years old, she wanted to know more about demonic things. And she opened up her life to the enemy and all sorts of stuff. And for 13 years, she was, she was terrorized by the enemy at nighttime. There were voices, things moving in her room, shadows everywhere. And, and you know, really, really difficult, difficult time. She came across to Swansea and she was tormented, tormented. And then when she met the people from our church, our pastor, and he would say to her, how are you doing? She would always say, yeah, I'm fine. Anybody recognize that? Yeah, I'm fine. But inside you're breaking up and you're falling apart. And she said to him, no, I'm not fine. And she explained what happened. And they prayed for her on a Saturday night and she was completely set free from the demonic after all these years in life. Sunday she came to church for the first time, saw the, saw the angels. And then she said, you know, I, I've been set free. And the seal of me being set free is today I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Give me the gift of tongues. Wow. You know that kind of meeting? And on the way home, I'm going, wow, what happened? And I said, God, I prepared this message, and I didn't even get a chance to speak, speak it, you know? And, and I felt God say, that's not for them. It's for you. And so I just talked to, I said, okay, let's, let's see what you want to do with this. But I believe that God's given me a message today for you as a church. And, you know, it's a kind of Christmassy message, because last week was Christmas. You have to forgive me. It's not really a Christmassy message, but it's got elements of the Christmas story in it. And, and, you know, we love Christmas messages, but it's always the same stuff, isn't it? Jesus, the reason for the season, keep Christ in Christmas, and blah, blah, blah. And I said, Lord, show me something different from the Christmas story that, that's for us, that's for me. That, 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 that Someone, a different perspective. And the Lord did. And, you know, I was just thinking about the story about Mary and Joseph. I mean, that is an incredible story. Nathan and Rebecca, why don't you come forward here, please? <clears throat> it's a, your props. I just, want you, I just want to make this real, right? 
this is our Elam Church, Mary and Joseph, right? <clears throat> Let's give them a round of applause, everybody. So, you stay there, Joseph. You can't get together yet. No, no, stay there, stay there. Right, so pretend I'm an angel. No, it's hard to pretend. But here's Mary. She's about 14 years old. And in those days, that's, that's the age it was. Him and, they've clicked. Mary and Joseph have clicked. And they've decided, we're going to get married. We're going to get married. Let's, for example, they're going to get married in October, right? So they're getting ready for preparations for the wedding. Ping! Here comes the angel of the Lord, dressed in white. Yeah. And so he, first of all, he appears to, to Mary. He says, Mary, how are you doing, Mary? I'm doing very well. Now, you're going to get married in October to Joseph. Oh, you love him, don't you? Very much. Well, I've got a slight change of plan because you've been chosen by God not just to get married, but you are going to give birth to the Son of God. Now, I know you're going to get married in October, but you're going to be pregnant by May. That's okay, it's not a prophetic word. <laughs> Actually, I'm Paul, don't worry. <laughs> That's maybe, she, maybe she talked like that. But, whoosh, boys. And, 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 and the father's not going to be Joseph. Hold on a minute. The father's not going to be Joseph. God's going to come upon you, and you're going to give birth to the son. And you call his name Jesus. He's the savior of the world. Now, we read that and just skip over it. But you can imagine what, what Mary must have felt. What? Before I get married, I'm going to be pregnant? What's people going to say? What's my family going to say? What's my mom and dad going to say? And so it says she pondered these things. Mary and Joseph are the unsung heroes of the Bible. Can you imagine being 14 years old, an angel appearing to you and telling you you've been chosen to be the mother of, of, of the Savior of the world? And so she comes along and she says, hey, Joseph, i got news for you. You know we're going to get married in October? Now don't panic. I'm going to be pregnant by me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. What? You're going to be pregnant by me? Uh, and you're not going to be the father. What? And so that's what happened. You know what happened? He purposes in his heart. Oh, this is too much. Who would believe that, that God is going to make my, my future wife pregnant? And he purposed in his heart to quietly divorce her. Because you can get divorced before you, when you get engaged, you can get divorced. And then, ping, here comes the angel of the Lord again. And said, Joseph, I know you've got doubts, but you love her, don't you? <laughs> and this is what the angel is saying. Trust me. And stand by your woman. I was going to say a song there, but it didn't work out. <laughs> stand by your woman. Stand by, your, stand by Mary. Because what I've said to her is truth. She will give birth to the Savior of the world. And you stand by her, and you will be the dad to the Son of God. And you know, when he had that visitation from the angel, you imagine how hard it must have been. How's he going to tell Paul and Ashley? How's he going to tell Granny and Granda? Who's going to believe this story? But you know, he had to trust God. And he had to trust his wife. And Mary had to trust Joseph. And because of that trust, we are now partakers of salvation because of what the Lord... And I just began to think about the whole thing about trust. Okay, thank you very much, guys. That's so good. Hey, get married in October. 
But I don't want to hear any more news, okay? <laughs> trust. And God began to show me uh, how trust was so important in this amazing story about Christmas. And, you know, thinking about all the people involved in the Christmas story, how they trusted each other, how they trusted the Lord. And, you know, um, this is what I feel from my heart. You know, in a marriage, if somebody doesn't trust, if the husband doesn't trust the wife or the wife doesn't trust the husband, when trust goes, there's trouble ahead because marriage is built upon trust. And, you know, I was just thinking about, I know so many Christians who've lost their trust in people, who've lost their trust in God, who've lost their trust in church, people who've been damaged by words that people have said about them. And, you know, as I began to look at this story, I just began to, to get this message coming in my heart that, that you can trust Him. I've been a Christian for a lot of years now. I'm now 32 years old, and I've been married. I've been a Christian for a long time. And uh, I want to tell you that He's never, ever, ever let me down. He's always been by my side. And I can tell you 100%, you can trust the Lord with all of your heart. And that brings us on to a very special passage of Scripture that's very uh, prominent about trust. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. In the NIV it says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him. And he will make your path straight. In the Living Bible, it says this. If you want favor with both God and man and a reputation for good judgment and common sense, then trust the Lord completely. Don't ever trust yourself. In everything you do, put God first and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. New Living Translation said this. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do, and he will show you which path to take. So as we look at trust, this whole area of trust, I really honestly believe the Holy Spirit showed me, you know, at the end of the service, we're going to have a breakthrough. I believe God's just waiting. I believe the Holy Spirit's here, and he wants to really do something new and fresh, especially in the area of trust. So where can we find trust in this story? Number one is this. You can trust God with his timing. You can trust God with his timing. There's an amazing verse in Galatians 4. It's 4.4. 4. It says this, but when, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might be, receive adoption into son, sonship. And New King James said this, but when the fullness of time had come, Jesus came. God is a God of timing. We think we, we know all the timings about our lives. We think we know when God should do this and do that, and when this should happen, that should happen. Let me tell you, we, we've got no idea sometimes. God is a God of timing, and His timing is always perfect. Jesus came at exactly the right time, at the fullness of time, it says. When God had set that time, Jesus came. He didn't come a month early or a, or a year early or a month late or a year late. He came at exactly the right time. 
Exactly the right time. He fulfilled every prophecy concerning himself. He could only do that at the right time and the right place. A hundred years earlier was too, too early, and a hundred years later was too late. He came in the fullness of time. When the time was set, he came. I'm going to show you a little phrase here. You might not have heard this before, but this, this is why we believe that he came at the right time. There's a thing called Pax Romana. It's, it's, it's actually uh, uh, Roman. Pax Romana, which means Roman peace. When Jesus came, the Romans had been uh, uh, ruling the world for a number of years, a lot of years, and they had installed this thing called Pax Romana. So from wherever you went in the Roman Empire, you, you could find this Roman peace. You can be a citizen of Rome. So even though Paul was a Jew, when, he, when these guys were going to kill him, he says, I appeal to Caesar, which meant I'm a Roman citizen, and I have the right, before you kill me, to speak to Caesar. And so this Roman peace, well, it was all around the world at that time. So they, they, they built incredible travel systems. You know, the roads that we have nowadays, many of them were built by the Romans. They, they invented roads and built roads all across the world. You know, you could travel in safety, you know, at, at, through um, sailing and, 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 and sea routes. Um, they had Roman peace. Every citizen of Rome had, had, had this Roman peace. They had Roman education and the language. Everybody spoke the same language. And so when Jesus came, God knew that just after that, when the church was birthed, like we're talking about the book of Acts, within 30 years, it reached the whole world. If that was 100 years before, it would never have happened. But because of the Romans, because of Pax Romana, when Jesus came and rose again, and he left the Holy Spirit, and they went all around the world, from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to other parts of the world, they can do that because of Pax Romana. And at the fullness of time, at the right time, Jesus came. And the same God that set that time for his son to come into the world knows the best timings in our lives. He knows your life. He knows what you're going through. He knows your dreams and desires. He knows your longings. But sometimes we're so impatient. We want it now. And sometimes when God says, wait, we say, no. We're like spoiled kids. No, I want it now. But he knows the best times. His timing is absolutely perfect. And when you look at this story, you know, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they give birth to John just before Jesus was born. And when they, when they, when they got together, Mary and Elizabeth, wow, they began to, to speak to each other. The Holy Spirit was moving. This baby was talking. But at the right time, John was born first. He was the preparer of the way, the cousin of Jesus. And then Jesus came. That's perfect timing. And then we find Mary, as we said, you're going to have a baby, Joseph, stand by your woman, the shepherds and the wise men. When Jesus was born, at the right time, on that night, the angels of the Lord came and sang and told these shepherds, go to Bethlehem, and you'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And they went there at exactly the right time. He was there. The wise men. You know, Kevin says they traveled for three years. At exactly the right time, they went and saw the baby Jesus there. You can trust God with his timing. Sometimes in our lives, we often think, God, where are you? Why are you not listening to me? Why are you not doing what I want you to do at the time that I want you to do it? And sometimes we secretly blame God because 
we thought it was the right time. I remember when I was 17 years old, going to speak to John Strachan, the pastor. I said, John, I feel the call to Bible college. I'd been youth leader for about three months. I feel the call to Bible college, and he sat me down like he used to do. Ay, ay, Malone, ay, ay, Malone. Let me just speak to you, Minty. He said, I, I, I feel you'll go to Bible college as well, but I don't, don't think it's this year. It's next year. What? Next year? But I want to go. Now can you see my desire, my passion? I want to go. He said, you'll go, Malone. But give this church one year, and you'll be a different man. And I went out there. I went out deflated. I came in excited. went out. <sighs> he doesn't trust me. He doesn't believe in me. All these things that come into your mind. But you know what? That's what I did. And in that year, some of you were out there. We saw the power of God move. We saw our youth group grow up to about 100 people. We had a youth band and, and all sorts of things. And then when I went to Marcy, you know, when I, went, when I saw my year, it was great. It was all young people from all different places. The year before me, the year I would have been in, the Christmas. And then just about two weeks before it, my dad says, Granny's fallen over and she's broken both her arms. Imagine that. But all she wanted to do was to see Josiah. And so we went straight from the hospital, uh, airport to hospital, and she was just so delighted to see him. And, you know, um, I knew. My granny had said to me a couple of times, Mark, I came here in the Philippines, but I would love you to do my funeral. I thought, oh, granny, if I've got to fly home, I'll be home. Then anyway, what happened was, this is my granny. And then what happened went to a big uh, Richie thing and all that stuff, and it was really great. And then, and then three, four days later... She went to be with the Lord. And you know what happened? The undertaker managed to squeeze in a date. And you know, I was just standing up there, in AOG, I think it was AOG, and I managed to speak at my granny's funeral. I thought it was really tough. But I managed to speak, and then we, we committed her to the Lord. And on the plane on the way home, I just realized, my goodness, I think my granny made a pact with the Lord. Because one week before, we wouldn't have been there. One week later, we were back in the Philippines. She had to literally die those two or three days to have a chance of me doing the funeral. And I think the Lord said, okay, Jeannie. <laughs> and when I look back, I thought, Lord, thank you. Because your time is perfect. Your time is perfect. And sometimes we don't see it and we mourn and we complain. But let me tell you, when you commit your hands to the Lord and your life to the Lord, say, Lord, whatever you want to do, Whatever time you want to take, wherever you want me to go, whenever it may be, here I am. Speak to me. And so we find out that God's timing is perfect. I remember in 1995, coming back, I was going to go to Ghana. And uh, just before I went to Ghana, I got my injections up here. And Margaret Morgan had a prayer meeting one night. She, I was walking out the prayer meeting, and Margaret drew by and put down our window. She says, Mark, the word of the Lord is this. You're going to meet your, your wife very soon. <gasps> what? You're going to meet my wife very soon? So I just thought, I'm going to marry a Ghanaian, just like Alec Morgan. I tell you what, I'm going to marry a Ghanaian. And, but you know, the next day, Mary, my wife Mary was moving to Edinburgh. And my granny gave her a number. And she phoned up and said, Mark, you don't know me. I'm Mary Flett. I'm moving to Edinburgh. Can you tell me about your flat that you're renting? Because I know you're going to go to Africa. And I said, and we're going to talk about the blessing of the Lord and the, what God's doing over down there in Edinburgh. And before, I spoke for an hour. 
Now, now you know, Mary, it's not very hard to speak for an hour. But we spoke for an hour. She's not here, so it's okay. But then I put the phone down, and I, and I remember Margaret's words. You're going to meet your wife very, very soon. 24 hours later, first time I ever spoke to Mary Flett, who's now my wife. And his timing is perfect. Amen? So the second point is this. You can trust God with his connections. You know, behind the scenes, God is always working. Even when we don't recognize he's working or don't think he's working, behind the scenes, God is working and orchestrating. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord. And you know, when you look at the, the story at, at Christmas time, like I say, the connections are incredible. Elizabeth and Zechariah with John, Mary and Joseph, you know, back to Bethlehem, the shepherds, the poorest people, the lowest ranking job that anybody could ever have, the criminals and outcasts, and here, here the, the, the angel of the Lord appears to them. And you know, the wise men, they're, they're the opposite of the, of the shepherds. They're aristocrats. They're, they're, they're really intelligent. They've got loads of money. And yet they take this amazing journey for how many years, I don't know, to reach baby Jesus. God was just connecting everybody in, the, in that story. And, you know, God is a God of connections. It's incredible. And, then, and this, this man, Simeon, who was waiting for, for the Messiah to come, and eventually when Mary and Joseph came in, it says he was, he, was, he was compelled by the Holy Spirit to go out to the temple courts, and he saw Mary and Joseph, and he said, wow, now I've seen the king. And God connected everybody in that story from all different stratas of society and different bank accounts and different, brought them all together to make this amazing story that we now call Christmas. He connected all these people with the birth of his son. He's got the timing right. He's got the people right. He's got the place right. He's got the scene, and he's connected the right people at the right, right place at the right time. The Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem. He worked out how, how Joseph can get back to Bethlehem. Absolutely amazing. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. You know, when I think about my life, I'm so amazed because behind the scenes, God is just orchestrating how I met the right people at the right time with the right word. When you think that one moment I'm here selling fish and George Walker's, you know, with my Sunday bricks on, on a Monday in my boots, and then God got hold of my life. And just thinking how God called me to the Bible college uh, I, I was talking to my mom and dad last night that, you know, I remember mom and dad were in their beds, and I, and I knocked at the door, and I said, open the, said, here goes, mom, I'm going to go, dad, I'm going to Bible college, and I walked out again, and I said, <gasps> but you know, my mom and dad, that was like 30 years ago, I've been away for 30 years, but you know, I'm just thank the Lord for, for my mom and dad for putting me in that family. You know, me and Paul and David, they've always been this heart, whatever you want to do, Lord, in their lives. You know, and I know it's not been easy. But the hardest thing for us has not been here with grandparents and aunties and uncles and all this stuff. And it's very difficult, but the Lord has connected us, you know, throughout the way. I met John Brown. God gave me a burden for Edinburgh. I didn't know how I was, I was in Bible college. I didn't know how I was going to do something in Edinburgh. Then one day, God connected me with this guy called John Brown, and he said, I'm going to plant a church in Edinburgh. And he said, is your name Mark? I said, how do you know my name? He said, God showed me. There's a mark and they come beside me. And we're going to plant a church in Edinburgh. Oh, yeah. That was it. We met and we started a church in Edinburgh. And then uh, spent two, three years in Edinburgh. And uh, it's quite amazing. And um, God began to call me to go to Africa. I said, Africa? I don't want to go. 
Africa. I'm, here. I'm happy here in Edinburgh, you know. No, no, I want you to go to Africa. Okay, and I said one day, Lord, if you want me to go to Africa, I want the name and the telephone number of the person that you want me to go to. Now, how many people know that God loves challenges? God loves challenges. And so that day, I was talking to my friend. I was going to go down to Gordon Cruden's graduation, and, and I couldn't get anywhere to stay. And then my friend said, why don't you phone this number? And do, 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 do. I said, who's that? He said, it's Pastor Paul Manso from Ghana. Why don't you give him a call and see if he's got a room? I said, what? I said, what a stupid thing to say. Hold on. Paul Manso from Ghana? And then I remember I'd said to the Lord that morning, give me the name and the number of the person. And so I thought, wow. So I, I, this is an adventure. So I phoned up Paul Manso, who's my friend from Ghana. I said, Paul, before he said it, he said, your room's ready. I said, what? Your room's ready. You're going to come for eight months, and we've decorated your room. It's all ready for you. I said, you don't know what I'm going to say. He said, God spoke to me and told me Mark Ritchie is going to come to, to Africa for eight months, prepare his room. When we don't think he's working, he's working. When we don't think he's moving, he's moving. He's connecting. And so I went to Africa, incredible, came back, and he got married. And, you know, there's lots of different things. Did my MA. I was in Whitburn. Went from speaking in Africa to like 20 people or 30 people in Whitburn. But that's where God wanted me to be. And, you know, I did my MA. And when I did my MA, I met the guy in charge of missions for AOG. At that same time, Reinhard Bonke gave me a prophetic word. You will go to Asia and you will see the power of God. And I said to him, I don't want to go to Asia. I want to go to Africa. And he laughed and said, one day you will understand. The next year, that same guy I did my MA with, said, Mark, he spoke French, are you sitting down? I said, no. I have a little shock for you. I think God's calling you to Philippines. Philippines? I want to go to Africa. I said, where's Philippines? It's in Asia. And I remember that word from Reinhard Bonke. When you don't think he's moving, he's moving. We went out to the Philippines and God spoke to us so clearly there. This is where I want you to be. This is what I've been training you for. He gave me a vision of fire. Filipinos ignited, released, and equipped. This place is going to be a place of glory, a place of the fire of the Lord, a place of encouragement, a well of refreshing. And you know the story. We went there for 12 years and saw the power of God. Then God connected us with Cornerstone and Pastor Young and all these people. You know, and God called us back to start our work in the, in the Swansea to get the Bible College of Wales up and going. You know, and um, uh, just 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 incredible. Went there with nothing, knowing, no, knowing nobody. Didn't know a soul in Swansea. Was offered the biggest church and the best church in AOG in Coventry, a three million pound brand new spanking beautiful building. And God said, I don't need you there, Mark. I need you in Swansea. I said, God, I don't know anybody in Swansea. He said, you go with no reputation. Nobody knew me or Mary or the AOG or Cornerstone or nothing. And just watching God move how he connected us with people and churches and places is absolutely incredible. And you can trust God with your connections. You ask God, God, will you connect me with the right people at the right time? Lord, you know my heart. Maybe some of you got, got burdens and dreams and you say, don't know how to do it. Lord, just connect me with the right people. Sometimes it's just standing, some, talking to somebody in a queue and all of a sudden that, that that's, ignites something that changes your life forever. You know, I went to Ghana in 2008 and one of the guys that came with us was Wes. You know Wes from AOG? Oh man, Wes, he just, he just spoiled out this the whole time. And I always thought, he's a little bit negative. And then, and then I said, God, just speak to 
it to him, you know. And he went for a shower and he came out and his face was white as a sheet. He says, I do believe God's spoken to me. He's given me a vision of children reading their Bibles in Ghana. We need to get children's Bibles out because the adults can't read. But if we get these Bibles to the children, they're going to lead their family in the ways of the Lord. And from that moment on, I said, I said, Wes, that's a vision that God's given you. You either reject it and say, look, it's too hard for me, or you go with it. And he went with it. God can speak to you in the shower. Because when you think he's not working, he's working. He'll connect you with the right people at the right time, in the right place. As long as they're not in the shower with you, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, God is so good. God connected the McClay family with us. I'm unbelievable. We haven't got time to tell you all about it now. God connected us with this minister. We were in the Bible College of Wales. with like a drive-in church. It was really difficult. We said, God, give us a community. And God gave us this, this, this man phoned us up and said, look, I know you're looking for a church. Come over. The five days before, this woman in, in our church had said, Mark, I feel the word Shiloh is, going to be, Shiloh is going to be important to you. Shiloh? Okay, maybe we'll call our new house Shiloh. And then five days later, I went to this church, and this guy was playing the organ. It was just empty, and, and, and it was just the presence of God. And this guy said, we want to give you this church right in the heart of Swansea with all the money we got. We don't want it to be a carpet warehouse or a, or a museum or an art place. We want to give it to you. Just the connections, the goodness of God. You keep your heart right. He'll connect you with the right people, the right groups. As a church, you need connections. He will show you the connections that he wants to give you. Because when you think he's not moving, he's moving. His connections, his people, his ways. Third thing, you can trust God with his promises. It says in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us. To the glory of God. <coughs> Incredible. Jesus was the promise of the Father. He was God's own Son. He was the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Savior. You look at the Old Testament, you'll find so many prophecies about him. Every single prophecy, every single thing about the Messiah, he fulfilled. It's absolutely incredible. Every promise that was made about the Messiah, Jesus fulfilled them in the New Testament. We read in the New Testament, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And he's all of these things. Mary was promised a baby, even though she never slept with anybody, and she received a son. Joseph was promised, if you stand by Mary, you'd be parents to the Savior of the world. And he kept that, that trust and that promise to the Lord and to Mary. And he stood by Mary. And because of that, he became the dad of Jesus. Wow. Imagine. The shepherds were promised a Savior in a manger. And they went there and they worshipped him. The wise men were promised that if they followed the star, they'd find the king. And God kept his promise. And when the star stopped and they saw Jesus there, they worshipped him and gave them their gifts. But the most beautiful story is a story about a man called Simeon in Luke chapter 2. And it says this in Luke chapter 2, verse 22, 25. There was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. He was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. 
It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. He would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom of the Lord required, Simeon took him in his arms and said this, Sovereign Lord, as you had promised, you can, you can now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And when Simeon, this old man, this old man, and God had promised him years and years and years and years ago, you will see the Messiah. And you can imagine year after year, decade after decade, I'm waiting, I'm believing, I'm waiting, I'm believing. And maybe after 30, 40 years, people are saying, look, Simeon, you're getting old, a little bit blind, a little bit deaf. Just calm down. Maybe it won't happen. No, I'm going to see him. I'm going to hold him. I'm going to know him. And they kept on believing the promise of God. And then that day, the Holy Spirit, Simeon, get, 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 leave Starbucks. Leave Starbucks and go to the temple because I'm going to show you something. And he left and he, when Mary came in, the Holy Spirit told him, that's the Son of God. And he took the Son of God and he began to cry. He says, God, I'm, I'm holding him. I'm seeing him. Thank you. The Messiah, the Messiah, the hope for the Gentiles and the hope for your people, Israel. Lord, I don't mind. Take me home tonight. Like a granny genie. Take me home tonight. Because I've seen the King. And I've seen his glory. And you've kept your promise. Now I can rest in peace. Incredible story. That man trusted the Lord through so many years, trusted through all the criticism and all the snidey laughter, all that stuff, you know. He, he, he. How many people here have got promises from God in their lives? How many people have got promises of God from their lives? I want to really believe the end of the service, everybody will lift, lift their hands because God's got a promise for each one of you. He doesn't want to give Kevin a promise and not Charlie. You know, if we seek him with all of our hearts, we'll find him. And he will show us things and give us things and give us promises. I'm living out now the promises God gave me many, many years ago. But you've got to believe them and pursue them. I think I've told you the story before, but there's quite a number of people who haven't heard this story. But I'm going to, it's one of my favorite stories. When I was 12, my dad went to Hong Kong. And he was our hero. And you know, he came back, me, Paul, David, sat us down, and he told us amazing stories of what he'd done in Hong Kong. Smuggling Bibles into China. <gasps> Bibles around his belly, Bibles in his suitcase, Bibles in his pants, everywhere, Bibles everywhere. And you know, me and Paul and David, this is what we thought about my dad, right? This, this, this is in our imagination. Okay, Nathan, hit it. The name's Richie. Davy Richie.
never moved so, so much of that in my life. Anyway, it's Nathan's fault. I said, Nathan, will you do it? Much better if you do it. <laughs> and you know what? I remember saying to God, 12 years old, oh, man, I'd love to do that. I felt God saying, oh, you'll do it. Roll on about 19 years. I'm in the Philippines, and uh, this church in Hong Kong asked me to preach at their first anniversary. So it goes over there. On the Saturday, the guy said, oh, would you like to go in China? Oh, yeah, I'd love to. Good. I'll get a passport for you. On the Tuesday, went up this big house. And uh, they said, oh, we're going to maybe take in some Bibles in China. Oh, that's okay. Didn't think about anything. This lady walks out of this house, about four foot five, Malaysian. Looked at me. Oh, who are you? I'm with like eight Filipinos. I'm Mark Ritchie. Where are you from? Scotland. You like mashed potato? This woman's weird. Yeah, I love mashed potato. Oh. And she runs into the house. She comes out with a book. You know this guy? David Ritchie. 65 college bands. Fraserburgh. I said, that's my dad. He stay here. Every day he went to market and buy potato to make mashed potato. He didn't like rice. He didn't like rice. He liked potato. I look at you, I think, oh, I know that face. And God took me back to the exact house that my dad stayed in. And we're taking these smuggling Bibles into China. I just felt God say, you know, Mark, I gave you that promise. You forgot it, but I never forgot it. And I've been working behind the scenes to fulfill my promise in your life. Wow. You can trust God with his promises. And some of you got promises that you think, how on earth is that going to work out? Leave it to him. He will make a way where there seems to be no way. He will open doors that no demon can shut. He can close doors that no demon can open. And at the right time, in the right place, in the right way, your promises from God will come to pass. I just feel a real burden to pray for Alec Morgan and his beautiful wife right now. Yeah. Lord, I just pray for these two amazing people. Oh, God, you've given them promises. Ah, Lord, you've given them promises. Nothing's going to stop those promises from coming alive, Lord. And the Spirit of the Lord is upon you both. And he longs for you to go deeper and further. Don't, don't run with those who will pull you back, but keep your eyes fixed upon the Lord. And his promises for your life will come to pass. Through every disappointment, through every challenge that you find, just keep on walking. Just keep on walking, for the Lord is with you both. I just feel his dreams for you both are incredible. I just see wherever you go, lives are going to be changed and challenged and touched. And you know, the stories that God's given you, you can share with other people. And, and the promises he's given you, and some of them are pretty big promises. Believe them. You are the man and the woman for the hour.
Don't compromise anything. But give the Lord 100% fully committed to him. And he will bless you and lead you. And we will hear so many amazing stories about you. Because you walk in the fire of the Lord. And you bring his glory wherever you go. He will supply every need that you have according to his riches and glory. And he'll connect you with the right people at the right time. And 10 years from now, you'll look back and say, wow, your promises are yes. And we speak the amen over it. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, my goodness. The fourth thing is this. You can trust God for his protection. You know, when you think about Christmas, you think about Ferrer Rocher and, and jingle bells and trees and lights and presents and sleighs and Santa and ho, ho, ho. Let me tell you, the Christmas story to a lot of people was a tragedy. Let me just um, qualify that. It's not all about tinsel and Christmas trees. What about silent night, about twinkling stars? This is what happened. Matthew chapter 2, if you've got your Bibles. Can you imagine this? Then Herod sent a private message to the wise men asking them to come and see him. At this meeting, he learned the exact time of what they first saw. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, who's seen Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? Remember that time? Lollipops, lollipops, all free today. He reminds me of Herod. And when you find him, come back and tell me <clears throat> so I can go and worship him. And after this interview with the wise men, they went their way. Once again, the star stopped, appeared to them, guiding them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them, stopped over the place where Jesus was. And when, he, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house where the child and his mother Mary were, and they fell down before him and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gold of, gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But when it was time to leave, they went home another way, because God had warned them in a dream, don't return to Herod. And after the wise men were gone, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up and flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. The angel said, stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to try and kill Jesus, the child. And that night, that night, Joseph left Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled the Lord, what Lord has spoken to the prophet. I called him my son out of Egypt. And when Herod was furious, when he learned that the wise men outwitted him, that's why they're called wise, he sent the soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under. Because the wise men had told him the star first appeared to them about two years earlier. You're in Bethlehem. Your baby, your son, your daughter is one year old. All of a sudden, the soldiers come, take him away, all the boys, and kill them. It's not all tinsel and sparkly lights. And the angel of the Lord came to them in a dream and said, get out of here. Because Jesus, you guys are your own trouble. Go to Egypt. You know that Jesus was a refugee? They were asylum seekers. 
They spent two years in Egypt. We don't think about that, do we? Difficult, new language. It was, it was, it was just difficult to be, to be there in a brand new country with Mary and Joseph and Jesus. But for a lot of people, Christmas was a, a tragic time, a difficult time. And, you know, uh, every boy, was, his life was taken from him. The Bible says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. For I've come to bring you life. And Herod wanted to be the king. He didn't want any new king around. And just like a lion, a new lion, when it comes into a new pride, the first thing he did is he kills all the cubs so he can have his own blood going through. When you look at the protection of God here, it's incredible. The Lord protected the wise men in a dream. They were said, go back a different route. Don't go near Herod. Mary and Joseph had a dream. Go back to Egypt until I tell you. Imagine that. Grab your bags and run with the baby. All we see is the, the donkey going to Bethlehem. But how about the Ferrari leaving Bethlehem because they had to get out there so quickly? We don't think about that. But you know, in our lives, God has promised to protect us. It says in Psalm 91, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress and God whom I trust. And we see in Psalm 91, there's many things that, that God promises us. You know, you don't have to worry about the, the, the nighttime. I'll be with you. I'll send angels to watch over you. You, you won't fall over the stone, you know. And, and, and lots and lots of promises about protection. I think when we get to heaven and see the movie of our life, we'll be amazed at just how much God protected us. <laughs> we don't even know. I remember when I went to Ghana. Oh, man, what a start. We got there, me and Paul Manso. Just met Mary two months before. Flew out to Ghana on Valentine's Day. Oh, bad timing. So I was all upset anyway. And we get to Ghana. And we, we arrive in at 20 hundred, which is 8 o'clock. But Paul Manso's wife had picked up 20 hundred. was 6 o'clock. So she'd gone there, and we weren't there. This is pre-mobile phones. I know it's hard to believe. This is pre-mobile phones. And she waited and waited and waited. Our flight was delayed. And so she, she drove back to Kumasi, three hours away. And so we arrived in Kumasi. Wow, what a terrible place. And then she wasn't there. So we waited and waited and waited. We couldn't get hold of her. And then everybody had gone. And we said, well, we have to get a taxi to Kumasi, three hours away. So Paul went away and he came back with this guy with one eye. Like this. I found a taxi driver. I thought, oh my. So we got our cases and went out to this van, right, van. Uh, we put the cases in, and the back whoop, went down a bit. I think, what kind of van is this? This one-eyed guy. And he said to us, I will get you there very quickly. I thought, no, no, just get us there safely. <laughs> Forget the quickly bit. And then he started off, and within 100 yards, all his lights went out. Right? We're going out of Accra. Oh, my lights again. He's banging on the thing, you know, banging on the thing. And all we had for three hours was one indicator. All the way from Accra, three hours to Kumasi. And this guy was driving like Paul Ritchie. He was absolutely mental. He was going through potholes. He was, he was overtaken in double, round, uh, double uh, you couldn't see anything, double bends. And he was just like, it's almost like he's demonic. I'm thinking, Lord, please, please. I said, slow down, slow down, slow down. It's okay. No, no, I get you there quickly. No, just get this there. Just get us there. And finally, oh, I'll tell you what. Oh, I was absolutely panicking. Never prayed so much in my life. 
and we finally got to his house. I thought, how on earth did we get here in that van? Because just before he dropped us off, oh, my, my brake's not working very well. My brake's not working well. <sighs> the next day, he picked up two people, drove back and during the day to Accra. And on the way back, his brakes failed. Went to the ditch and, and three people lost their lives. And Paul Manso told me that. I thought, what? And I said, Lord, thank you for your protection for angels watching over us. Because, because, Lord, I knew that was, a, that was a situation that was very, very, very dangerous. And there's times in our lives that we, we, we just don't know how God protects us, but he does. I remember one time in, in Philippines, super typhoon was coming in. We were in Manila, and we phoned up Sefton Village, get everything, you know, tie everything down to super typhoon. And um, I, I just prayed this prayer, Lord, put your hand over Santiago. Put your hand over Santiago. And you know, the truth is, next day, we drove up in our van, all the way up, every single town. All the pylons were down, the power was down. Landslides everywhere. Had to wait for landslides to move. It took us hours and hours and hours to get to Santiago. We drove into Santiago. We'd seen no power all the way up. Drove into Santiago, and people were in McDonald's having their hamburger. I'm like, what? All the, no, 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 no pylons down? Everybody's just like, as normal. And we drove through Santiago, and you know what the Lord said to me? You asked me to put your hand over. I put, literally put my hand over Santiago. All around was devastation. But in Santiago, and God said, I've got the power to do anything. Just ask me. And that's why we have, you know, when, when you go on journeys, when you're in situations every day, say, Lord, I just, I can trust you with your protection. Protect me. Yeah, there's sometimes things go wrong. And, and we don't, even Job lost, lost his family. He lost everything. But he had that determination in his heart. Lord, I know that, you, that my Redeemer lives. And on the earth again will stand. And I will see him. And at the end, God blessed them so much. And so we can, in my life, I've recognized that we can ask God and we can trust God for our protection. I remember one time I went to an AOG um, conference down in, I think it was Prestatin. And I was in Bible college at the time. And we're all going to go to the meeting at night time. And the Lord said to me, stay. Don't go to the meeting. Said, Don't go to the meeting? What kind of theology is that? I'm from Fraser, but I'll go to the meeting. And I'm getting ready. Don't go to the meeting. Don't go to the meeting. Okay. So I'm just sitting there in the chalet thinking, so what now, Lord? Where's the revelation? I've been a bit sarcastic. Where's the revelation? And God says, like, get up and start walking. I'll tell you when to stop. So I got up and I started to walk and go into this block of chalets. Okay, go upstairs. I'm walking along the front of this stop. Knock. I knocked on the door and I heard the screaming. Knock, knock, knock again. Knocked on the door. And I said, let me in in the name of the Lord. I could tell somebody's in distress, but somebody's having a heart attack. And this door opened, and this girl is standing there, screaming her head off, uh, possessed by demonic, about to kill herself with a knife. And I said, in the name of Jesus, put that knife down. And, I, and, and for about an hour, I was there. I got help to come, and we prayed for this girl. And, and she was completely set free of the demonic. But that night, she was going to commit suicide in AOG conference. So the devil can have a big thing. And the Lord stopped me from going to the meeting, directed me to her door, and said, go in. And that woman said, I don't know how God protected me tonight. I said, but he did. 
And so we can be sure, we can trust his protection. The last thing, last thing, hallelujah. We can trust God with our future. You know, Mary had this baby. It would change our future forever. Joseph, they had these plans to get married, to have a home, to have a family, to serve the Lord, to be a good husband and wife. Then the angel appeared and it changed their life forever. And when you see the story of Mary and the angel, it's just incredible how Mary was chosen. You're going to find favor with God. You're going to have, have a baby. And she pondered all these things in her heart. How can I be the mother of God? But she could trust God for her future. And we all know what happened, how Jesus was born and how he grew up and how he became the savior of the world. He saved people from their sins. He was the prince of peace. And I just want to tell you this, that no matter what God has said into our lives, we can trust him with our future. It says this in Philippians 1 verse 6, being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Proverbs 16 verse 3, man makes his plans, but the Lord directs his steps. You know, about a month ago on a Saturday morning, two people went to heaven. One was Rahar Bonke. 79 million people he led to the Lord. Wow. Incredible. One of my heroes. But that same day, there's an old lady in a church nearby that I knew very, very well. She'd helped us in our church. 92 years old. Never, ever preached. Never, ever done anything up front. Very, very quiet. An amazing woman in her own right. Wrote many PhDs and all sorts of things. 92 years old. Never married kept that church alive just by our presence and by our giving and by our faithfulness. And on that same day, Reinhard Bonnke, 79 million, went into the doors of heaven with this lady, 92 years old, Saraya. Both completely different personalities, different ministries, but both heard those words, well done, good and faithful servant. You can, you, you can be called to be a missionary, called to be a pastor, called to go do this or whatever. It doesn't matter. You can be called to stay here to be a mom. You can be called to stay here, get involved in church. You can, you can have the most amazing future right where you are if you know you're in the will of God. And you can trust God with your future. I can't believe what God's done in my life and how he's led me. Uh, you know, and, and it's just so incredible. I could keep you more stories, but I'm not going to do that for time. But no matter where you are or where you come from, I can tell you that God has got a future plan for you. His ways are perfect. His, his, his ways are, are incredible. A, a plan and a purpose for your life. And sometimes it's, sometimes he breaks in. And I remember one time talking to this guy in, in Livingston. He was trying to be a doctor. And I brought him forward and God gave me a word. Prepare to change your plans. He was in the last year of being a doctor. God says prepare to change your plans. He says, what? This is the way to be a doctor. And then that, that, Next week, God called him to go on a mission to um, uh, Northern Africa. And from that mission, he had a heart to reach the unreached people groups. And now is in Khonekhle, just where we are, bringing teams of people out to Tunisia and Morocco and, and, and Saudi Arabia and all these places. Prepare to change your plans. His ways are perfect. His ways are perfect. And we can trust him with that. Let's just close our eyes right now. I know time's gone. I've just shared my heart this morning. I want to ask you, 
Do you really trust the Lord with all of your heart? But I also want to ask you, are there areas of your life where trust has been broken? Disappointments have come in. I know many people in many churches that actually, you know, they've lost trust with leaders because of what leaders have said, churches have said. And we can attend church, but our heart's not in it because we've lost that trust. Even within our relationships, our husbands and wives, or brothers and sisters, or moms and dads, we can lose trust. And although we seem to function as a family, there's something broken. I just feel today, maybe Gilbert can come back, just play something. I just believe today God wants to restore trust in your life. Are you where you should be in God? Or have you been holding back for a little while? Because you don't know if you can trust anymore. I just feel the Holy Spirit. Before I really open up the Holy Spirit, I just want to open up this first. There's some people who need trust to be restored. It might not happen overnight, but if you come forward, I pray for you. Like I said already, God is working behind the scenes to restore, to reconcile, to bring trust and hope and joy in your life. Here we are at the end of 2019. Are you where you know you should be? Or are you holding on to things, to situations? You blame people for different things. The Lord is saying, lay down those things. And come and trust me, says the Lord. And as you trust me, I'll give you trust for other situations in your life. So if, if God has spoken to you this morning, and you realize, yeah, Mark, I'd like you just to pray quickly for me. After that, I'm gonna, I really feel that the Holy Spirit is saying something about you can trust the Holy Spirit. But first of all, I just feel to open up this beautiful space. If there's things you've got to get right with God or right with people, just come. And he's going to do something in a moment that could take years just by... It might never happen. Unless you get a touch of God in your life, it might never happen. So as we just sing this song quietly, if God has spoken to you and you realize, you know what? I just need things to be right. I need my heart to be right. I need to trust again. Because if you lose trust, you'll never move on. You'll be a spectator. Let's all stand together right now. And if you want me to pray for you very quickly, I'm just going to pray, receive trust. Receive trust. Just come out as we sing this song and then we'll, one more prayer for the Holy Spirit to come. But if God has spoken to you this morning about trust and you want to get back to the place where you should be, just come and I'm going to just pray. Let's trust be restored.